The book of Matthew, uh, where we have, we have gone through the book of Matthew, we have seen some incredible things, and uh, now we're going to land uh, at, a, at, a, at an episode in the book of Matthew that is a little bit unique in the Gospels. Every one of the Gospels, all four, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, record what we might call uh, the miracle of the multitude, okay? Or I might, because I like uh, alliterations, okay? But the miracle of the multitude, what are we talking about? Well, the, how many of you ever heard of, I'm going to say it like it's, like it's the, the, the popular phrase, the feeding of the 5,000? You've heard of that? It's, it's, it's so common, uh, commonly known, really. I mean, it, it's almost just part of popular culture. But we've heard, people have heard of that feeding of the 5,000. I remember as a kid, I was, in a, I was working a, a <laughs> this sounds funny to say, but I was working a festival in Seattle. That sounds like it's a roadie, but I was. We were working a, one of, a folk life festival or something else in, in, in Seattle, and I was driving up there with one of my friends. We were working at a fajita stand. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we were driving up there, and he was a believer. He'd grown up, with, grown up in the church, and, he, and he's talking to me about, you know, we're talking about Jesus and, and, uh, and stuff in the Bible. And he says to me, you know, I can, I can believe all of the stuff in the Bible, he says, except for that one about the feeding of the 5,000. That one I just, can't, I just can't connect with. And I thought, well, that's ridiculous. I mean, all, yeah, out of all of them, you have a food, you, you have a problem with a food miracle, you know? Uh, but... But it, it, it is interesting, uh, all four Gospels, it must, it's a significant uh, miracle, all four of the Gospel writers include it. And when, when we remember that we've already learned, both from the book of John, which we haven't been studying, and from the book of Matthew, that Jesus did many more miracles than what are recorded in the text, Right. As a matter of fact, remember we read when we were all secluded <laughs> that uh, that Jesus was denouncing the cities in which he had done most of his greatest miracles, and we don't have any record of those things happening. So what we have record of is just what Matthew has selected, and it may not even be the biggest ones. That's a good time to say. By the way, this is not a name tag shirt. I don't think I'm Big Jesus. In case anyone's not familiar, this is a phrase that has arisen out of the text that we're studying. This is part of Matthew's agenda is just to say Jesus is really, 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 really big. And that when we allow the scriptures by the Holy Spirit to, 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 to paint Jesus on the canvas of our imaginations, when we see Jesus, the bigger we see Jesus, the bigger our faith will be the more ready our obedience will be. You know, in other words, it's not about you trying to scrounge up more faith or to scrounge up or to try harder to obey. Everything will respond to the size of your Jesus. <laughs> right? And this is, we've seen that Matthew's gone about this, that he is just, he's, his only point, he will leave out other details that other gospel writers include about the story because all he's interested in is just the Jesus factor, that Jesus happened. All right, that to be said. Here we are picking it up. All four gospel writers, though, include this story. So of the things that they could have included and of the things that they did not include, all of them include this one. That tells us something, something. That tells us that there's, there's, there's something about this miracle that, that communicates something very vital, something important about Jesus. But Matthew does one better. Matthew is one of the handful of the, of the couple of gospel writers that not only include this one, but include a second miracle of a similar kind. He, he, he gives us two miracle for the multitudes. 
And I believe that what Matthew wants us to see is this, that Jesus has divine compassion. Now, when we say divine compassion, we mean that, that, the, that the measure of his compassion is divine. That the, extens- the, the expression of his compassion is divine. It is not limited by a human standard or measured by. It is not determined by the reservoir of human compassion. It is divine in its source and, in its, and its expression. In other words, I believe what, Jesus, what Matthew wants us to see is that big Jesus means big compassion. This compassion, then, must inform how we see Jesus, how we see Jesus, and then it, it models how Jesus sends us. So these are two dynamics we need to see today, how we see Jesus and, how, and therefore how Jesus sends us. Now, I think a lot of this is just going to be super encouraging and happy. There's a, there may be a sliver of this that may press on some of our traditional understandings of some things, but let's let Jesus be bigger than all of those things. So what we're going to do is we're going to just read both, both passages. I'm going to read them out loud. And if, if we're friends so far, you know it's going to be a little bit challenging for me to just to keep reading without interrupting myself. It's just that exciting, right? Okay, so here we go. Let's pick it up. Matthew chapter 14, pick it up at verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, well, you might say, what happened? Thank you, Laura Lee. Well, what happened? What happened is that John the Baptist had been beheaded unjustly. John the Baptist, his dear friend, his relative, the forerunner, one of the greatest prophets up until the time of the kingdom of God, John the Baptist is beheaded unjustly in an evil and wicked way. Jesus hears about it, and then, so then we pick it up there. He heard what had happened. He withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. So try to lean into what it might feel like when a friend, a colleague, a spiritual, a spiritual connection, etc., is, un, is unjustly just, his life is cut off, not just passes, but unjustly, he's murdered. Right, And Jesus just wants some, he just needs a moment. He withdraws to a solitary place. Have you ever just wanted a moment, needed one? So he withdraws to, <laughs> I know I'm, in, I'm interrupting, this isn't part of our notes. But, here, but he withdraws privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot. He gets into a boat, crosses over on the water by himself to take to you know uh, to get away from everything and everyone. The crowds hear about it and they get and they start walking. And you know how crowds happen, right? So you know the the more crowds that walk, the more crowds that come. There's a momentum effect, right? So then so Jesus See, so when Jesus landed, then he, he crosses over, perhaps by himself, or more likely with a handful of his disciples. He crosses over, he lands, and what does he find waiting for him when he is in, he just needs a moment, his heart is broken, he's probably frustrated, he's got to process injustice, he lands on, on the shore, and what does he see? 
crowds. Fast spoiler alert, he sees enough, he sees the crowd the size of a stadium. And he looks up and he says to his boys, Oh man, oh rats. He says, let's get back in the boat. Let's go somewhere else. I don't have time for this today. I'm worn out. I'm frustrated. No, what what happens? Let's keep reading. Here it is. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. Whoa. His compassion is greater than his grief. It's greater than his frustration. It's greater than his exhaustion. It's greater than his own schedule. We're not talking about a human reservoir. Jesus has divine compassion. He has compassion on them and healed their sick. It doesn't even, the text doesn't even indicate that anyone had to ask. They didn't have to ask three times or two times. It, It doesn't look like they even had to ask. He looks up, he has compassion, and it seems to be almost an instinctive uh, act almost irresistible as, as he has compassion. His compassion is not just a feeling. Jesus' compa- divine compassion is always expressed with divine action. He had compassion on them and healed their sick. Okay, if we're going to get through this today, we better keep going. Uh, as evening approached, the disciples, so it's, how long does he do this? He lands, and it's at least all day long, right? It's now evening time. The disciples come to him and say, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. I know it's not part of the text, but can you, don't you love Jesus? How does he feel about this great crowd? They don't need to go away. We don't, how, how often are, how you said, all right, it's, you know, I'm all peopled out. Everybody go, start blinking the lights. <laughs> Disciples of Jesus haven't changed in 2,000 years. <laughs> two, Friday, two Friday nights ago, with hundreds of people here praying, and eventually people started blinking the lights. Okay, we've prayed for two and a half hours. I'm not, I'm not trying to throw shame, but here's Jesus. They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Did you know that, that Jesus intends for his church to solve problems? We're not just observers. We aren't just ornaments. We're catalysts. There's more pages here, Bill. Don't get me distracted by encouraging me. <laughs> they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Jesus, der, we don't have enough. <laughs> heavy sigh. Matthew, in the Greek, the word, there's a heavy sigh that we're missing the English. Verse 18, bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. 
Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. I'm going to get to this later, but isn't that amazing that that's the job of disciples, to take what's in the hands of Jesus and give it to people? (laughs) So good. All right, verse 20. They all ate and were satisfied. They all, they all ate and were satisfied. Well, let me just, let me just, let me just, and then the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. So this could have easily been, easily been, how many? 15,000 people. And, and we all know, now I'm not trying to be silly here, but we all know that every Jewish family only has one kid. So they, so 15,000 may be underselling it a bit. So now let's go back to 15,000 and say, they all ate. They all had a snacky? They all had a fish cracker? They all ate and were... Do you think every... How many of you in this room, it takes more than a snack to get you satisfied? I'm looking at Todd, Right? I'm looking, I'm looking around the room a little bit. Like me and Sam, look at you guys can have a little snack, but if I'm going to be satisfied, you better bring the fish and chips back around one more time. Are you talking, you hear me, right? And that's the thing is, it's not like everybody, this isn't some sort of a socialist experiment where everybody according to, no, it was like everybody, who needs more? That, and, and Philip's like, and he, and Philip's like, you know, this guy, this guy, this guy in the back, I've been back there three times. <laughs> and he's just like, Yeah! I'm not giving him any more. Jesus says, Jesus says, is he still hungry? Yeah. Well, Lord, I, that, guy, that guy keeps showing up to church. Anybody ever gotten the altar line more than once? Ushers say, get out of here. You can't get in line more than once. Jesus says, oh, let him back in. Is he still hungry? stop encouraging me it's already time to go that's a great story all four gospels mention it but then matthew includes this one take your finger look it and turn the page over we get to matthew chapter 15 verse 29 there jesus left there now this is about six months later according to some it's at least six months after the first time Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up to a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. And the people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking and the crippled made well and the lame walking and the blind seeing. And they praised the God of Israel. Verse 31 may, if you're paying attention to the book of Matthew so far, you might say, I don't understand verse 31. Not that it happened, but I don't understand, the, you might not understand the reaction. Is this the first time we've seen Jesus do this stuff? Then why are the people freaking out? Well, we could say, well, D- Dev, uh, that, no matter how many times you've seen that. True. But why are the people freaking out? They're different people. They're different folks. He, this ministry is happening in a largely Gentile area. 
near the, near the Decapolis, the ten cities. More Greeks, Greek-speaking Gentiles here. This is, these are people who actually haven't seen this yet. And, the, and, we, and we are even know more so that they're probably a more Gentile audience because Matthew records how they respond. And they praised the God of Israel. They're like, oh, wait a minute. There's something to that, those folks, what they believe over there. Verse 32, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, boy, that's been, it's, been, it's been fun, boys. Let's get out of here. No, he says, I have, come on, church, I have on these people. And they say, well, yeah, Jesus, clearly you've had compassion on them. You just healed all of their sick. You just exerted divine, powerful kingdom of heaven influence upon the broken and the, and the worst form of suffering in humanity. You have just intervened in, in humanity's suffering in a way that no one has ever, ever has before. And that's, been, and that's good enough, Jesus. And he said, no, nah, they're hungry. I have compassion on these people, for they have been with me for three days and have had nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry, or they may collapse on the way. Now, before we metaphorize, allegorize, spiritualize that last sentence, and there's plenty of room to do it, let's be clear, it's literal. What did Jesus mean by that? He meant they were hungry, and he didn't want them to collapse with hunger. Well, that sounds very practical. His disciples answered, where can we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? Here's the heavy sigh again. How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. He told the crowds to sit on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish. And when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave, gave them to the disciples. And they in turn to the people, and they ate and were Afterward, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those that ate was 4,000 men besides women and children. Two miracles with the multitudes. How do these inform how we see Jesus and how do they model how Jesus sends us? Well, I think we can learn a couple of things by asking at least, at least two questions. What's the same and what's different? How does what's the same about these, what do we learn from what's the same and what do we learn from what's different? Okay, let's take a quick look. <laughs> quick in air quotes. Okay. <clears throat> what's the same? same? Great crowds came to Jesus. Great, great, great crowds came to Jesus for healing and he had compassion on them and he healed them. He healed them. He had compassion on them and healed their sick. And it seems in both of them, although in the second one, we know that they bring, they're, they're bringing their deep needs and concerns to him. It still seems that Jesus initiated the inclination to heal. Healing was Jesus' idea. Yes. This is where I think we, may, we might need to push on some things for some folks. Whose idea is healing? It's not an idea that we invented and came to him and tried to persuade him to consider. Whose idea is healing? You know, and who's, on the same note, whose idea is holiness? 
These things originate with heaven. They are determined by and they are measured by heaven. This is the standard. This is the template. As in heaven, so on earth. This is what we're clinging to. We, aren't, we don't have permission for a different standard. Ah! Did you hear that? He, it seems he initiated this inclination. Healing rose from the furnace of his own affection. The question that I think we have to pause and ask is how, how, how have we ever contrived a theology of sickness and suffering that is contrary to this Christ? Jesus is a healer. The crowds came, he had compassion on them, he healed them, and then he, des- and then he desired to feed them. He healed them all, and he desired to feed them all. (laughs) He had compassion to feed those he'd already healed. Jesus' compassion is without limit. And feeding these multitudes was no less an expression, no less an exercise of divine power than healing was. So the power of the kingdom was expressed and exercised in nourishing people as much as it was in healing people. You say, Dad, why would you... Why do you want to emphasize that? Because too often people compartmentalize where we need God's power or what God's power is for or what we can depend on the power of Christ for. We all, when it comes for healing, well, we definitely need to, yeah, that's all we just need to rely on, the, the power of Christ for that. You know what? That same power is supposed to fuel and set the standard for every ministry of the church. Every ministry of the church should be just as miraculous. Everyone should eat and be satisfied. In both of the examples, there wasn't enough resources compared to the need. Is there anything that is more, <laughs> that is more analogous of the human condition? Greater need, an apparent greater need than apparent present resource. And in both of the examples, the disciples of Jesus protest. Disciples of Jesus, are we listening? In both of them, the disciples of Jesus protest. They push back. Send them away. Fend for themselves. Where could we get enough to meet this need? These, these two examples uh, are, give us insight or remind us just how we measure what can be done. It gives us insights into the limits of our own compassion. You know how Proverbs says, lean not on your own understanding? I think we could, you should write in your Bibles also, lean not on your own compassion. The, the reservoir of human compassion is limited. It gives up, it gets tired, it says, send them away, we don't have enough. It says, good enough. But we must measure everything in the light of big Jesus. In both of the examples, Jesus gives gives thanks for and blesses what he has on hand. (laughs) 
How many times do we look at what's in our hands and we realize it's not enough for the need in front of us? And what do we usually do? Just be honest. What do we usually do? Sigh heavily, complain, mumble, worry. If I stare at this and worry long enough, it'll help. Jesus takes the most absolutely ridiculously insufficient amount and sees it from the perspective of heaven. Not only for what heaven can do, but what from, he sees this from what heaven has already done. He remembers what, all the things that God has already done. <laughs> and he gives thanks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you created the cosmos out of nothing... That's the Latin is ex nihilo, right? He created out of nothing. If he created everything out of nothing, then what can he do with this? Anything. (laughs) Friends, if he created everything out of nothing, then he can do anything with this. And this is our confidence. Jesus gives to his disciples, and then they give to others. This is the, this is the link, friends. This, they were to take from what was in his hands and give it to those who needed it. This is what disciples do. He, Jesus is our source, he is our supply, and he is our confidence, the hands of Jesus. And then, as we've said several times, everybody ate and all were satisfied. Not one went without, not one went unsatisfied. Jesus never leaves one out. He never designs to leave anyone unsatisfied. And in both, there was more than enough. Somebody say more than enough. There was more than enough left. There was more left over than what they started with. But they, what they started with wasn't enough, but there was more left over than what they started with. Be, you know why that is? Because he is not the God of lack. He is God Almighty, El Shaddai, El, El Shaddai, the God of plenty, the God of more than enough. Jesus does nothing without doing it abundantly. We can also learn from what was different. And I realize that our time is ticking away here, but let's lean into this. What was different? This is super important. There was a different audience. Again, there was a, this was a different season, a different location, and a different audience. This, and this gives us some insight into cool stuff. Uh, the first audience was a largely Jewish audience that Jesus had been ministering in a largely Jewish area for a season. And then he, can, he concludes this season of ministry by the, with a, essentially a healing crusade, and then he feeds them. Now, how many loaves did Jesus... Now, Matthew, I believe Matthew probably sees something in here and, and records it, and, and he probably thinks, hey wait, hey, wait a minute, I see some cool symbolism here, and he records it on purpose. It's very rare that the gospel writers or any Bible writer record, especially in the New Testament, when we see a specific number or thing, that that's an accident. That's probably trying to say something to us. So in the Jewish audience, how many loaves did they have? 
five. So to a Jewish audience, what does what does the word what would what's the first thing that might come to their heart or mind when they think of five? They're gonna think of, they're gonna think of the Torah. They're gonna think of the Pentateuch. They're gonna think of the foundation of their faith. Their identity as a people is five. And Jesus takes Jesus takes that and he, and he shows that he him he himself the Torah was life, but Jesus says it's me. I'm life. I am the life. I am the, not only am I life, I am the fulfillment. Because in the Torah, Moses said, the Lord will raise up a prophet like me. You must listen to him. And Jesus takes the five and multiplies it. I'm the bread. I'm the fulfillment. I'm the hope. (laughs) And then how many basketfuls were left over? That's almost a no-brainer, isn't it? Right? Hey, wait a minute. There, I'm the so he's the he's the beginning and the end. He's the promise and the fulfillment. There are how many twelve basketfuls left over? The, when Jewish people traveled about, they carried with them a little basket, and it was their basket of of, of food. It was a, a, enough for a meal. You know, because they were pretty concerned about eating that which was unclean. Right? They didn't want to eat unclean things, so they would have their own food. Has anybody ever heard the word kosher? Okay, so kosher, right? So they'd have their little basket of kosher food. And then once that was gone, of course, they'd been all day. So now everybody has their, their empty baskets. And they're small, about this big. So after this miracle, how many of those, they collect 12 of these. 12 small baskets are left over. So there's, there's symbolism here, there's abundance, but this, this, this resonates that Jesus is the fulfillment of the hope of Israel. Amen. Amen. And that, and that he, is, he has constituted himself. He is, he is calling that everybody who follows him is now, the, they are the, 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 those who follow him, they are the people of God. Amen. All of this is good, right? Yes. Okay. Well, then what about the other one? What ha- the, in the other place, the different audience was largely Gentile. And, and how many loaves do they start with? And if you read it, it actually says, well, you have seven loaves. And then, Jesus, then Matthew says, so Jesus took the seven loaves and they broke it and they feed him. And then how many were left over? Seven. So, so, so hey, Matthew, yeah, you've said the word seven three times. Do you want us to hear something there? Yes. Yes, because seven is a universal number. It's a perfect number. It's a number of creation. And this is the number that speaks to creation, to all of creation. What, is, what does Matthew see that Jesus is doing among these Gentiles? He is telling them that he and us that Jesus Christ is the Lord and life giver for every nation, for every tribe, for every tongue. That he... That he, that he is not limited to one, one geographic area, not one ethnic group, but that he is Lord for every person who will call upon his name. And then, there, how many baskets are left over? Now, you might say, oh, see, there's fewer. He has fewer for them. <laughs> well, here's the fun part. Here's a really fun part. If you read this in your English Bible, it's fine. You'll get the truth. You'll love it. You'll love Jesus. But you'll miss something. Because the word basket is different. <laughs> in the, the Jewish basket is this, is in, in, the, in chapter 14, the basket is that little handheld basket about this big. But in, the, in chapter 15, the word basket is different. You should probably read the, in your Bible, write the word hamper. <laughs> exactly. Hey, wait a minute. Yeah, like something, as a matter of fact, one, one person said, these, the baskets that these people were carrying, some of them may have been large enough to stick Luke in there. But you could stick a person into one of those hampers. 
jam them in there, of course. But imagine, but not a basket, but a hamper, like you would put a, with a strap over your shoulder, carrying maybe what you were, if you're going to go to market and carry a bunch of stuff. There were seven of those left over. <laughs> so there was even more left over, arguably, the second time around. And all the whole point is not to create, it's not about favoritism. There's a singular point. Jesus Christ is more than enough. Jesus Christ is more than enough. He is more than enough for every person, every tribe, every nation. <laughs> See, the differences only serve to amplify just how big Jesus is and just how big and divine his compassion is. How does this inform how we see Jesus? Let's close today. Let's, let's come. Let's, let's get ready to pray. How does this inform how we see Jesus? You must believe that Jesus sees you. That Jesus, his compassion is enough for every person and for every condition. For you and I today, as you look to Jesus, he sees you and there is no limit to his compassion for you. There is no condition, no experience, no background that is outside of, that stretches outside of his compassion. Whether you think it's a tremendous need or it's just a little practical thing, there is nothing outside of his ability and apparently his passion to provide. You do yourselves a, a disfavor and you do Jesus an injustice when you measure him by your own expectations or your own experiences. Matthew has gone out of his way to show us just how big Jesus is. It's got to start with you. You need to believe this about Jesus. You need to receive this about Jesus. then it must become a model for how Jesus sends us. Jesus wants you to take from what is in his hands and give it to the hungry. Whether that's healing or bread or compassion or encouragement or your presence. Paul said, it is the love of Christ that compels us. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. His compassion is our commission. We must share Jesus' compassion for every person, and we must carry his compassion for every condition. His compassion, his divine compassion, is our commission. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Let's stand together. Would you just open your hearts and just lift your hands with me? Just sing that chorus with the Browns. I believe you're my healer. 
this morning. If you have, if you yourself are today a, a candidate for the compassion of Jesus, we would like to pray for you. And if you would like someone to pray for you this morning, I'd like to have maybe some of my leaders just kind of lead the way and kind of join me here across the front. We'd like to open up the front this morning as we close. If you're a candidate for the compassion of Jesus, we want to pray for you. We believe Jesus Christ has something for you from his hands today. So we have those that are joining here across the front. They'll be waiting for you. If you would like prayer, come. You know, last night I did this and a few folks came. And then I just said something to the effect of, hey, as we go today, uh, tonight, we'll, we'll hang back and pray. And I had a gentleman come and just say something. To, he said, thanks for a second chance. I get really anxious about coming forward, but I really needed to. So friends, we'll, we'll, we'll remain here. We're going to dismiss you here as soon as we sing this chorus again. And, but it, as long as you would like to come and pray, we'll, we'll hang right here. And we'll just wait here quietly. If you're feeling self-conscious, my goodness, I hope not. We just want to help you encounter Jesus together. So let's sing that chorus again. If you'd like prayer, why don't you come? I believe you are my healer. I believe you're my healer. I like prayer. Everybody else, if you need to go, may the Lord bless you. Go to the cafe, have a, have a, have a donut and a cup of coffee, and remember that take from what is in the hands of Jesus and give it to the world around you. Lord, I'll take a few more folks to come help me pray if you'd like.